Well, thank you very much indeed, first of all. Uh, I've got a lifelong friend. I was hoping she was going to come to the talk today, but she didn't make it. And her mother died seven years ago. And obviously my friend doesn't want to let go of the memories, but she wants to get rid of the sadness. How should she proceed? Well, I think I gave a whole talk on that, didn't I? I, I personally, I, I find, I, you know, I find a little bit uncomfortable to 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 kind of uh, address somebody who is not here. <laughs> so when somebody loses their mother, okay, and uh, they don't want to get rid of the memory, uh, yeah, to get rid of the memory, but they like to, um, they don't want to lose the memory, but not get, you know, we get rid of their sadness. Huh? Well, easy. I have told you. Look, some people looked at me really curious, you know. But I've been saying this many times. So, how do we get rid of sadness? You you don't need to do anything. Feel the sadness and don't cling to it, and it will pass. It will pass. You know, it's difficult to get excited about something that doesn't involve me. You don't have to do anything. If I move out of the way you are, the more swiftly it will go. So, um, I've had that experience, you know. Sometimes you get rid of sadness without even wanting to, without thinking. For example, i give you an example. When my father was getting older, he was in his late 80s, I think, or 90. And uh, I'd been, um, you know, I spent a winter retreat in 2002 with him, to look, looking after him. And I could see he was, you know, he'd been very bright and very sharp mind and very funny, sort of very interesting person. And I always enjoyed being with my father and listening to him and so on. And I could see everything was slowing down, you know. And I didn't realize that uh, how I was feeling as I was with him. But then I went to do a three weeks retreat in Switzerland, uh, the monastery in Switzerland that we have there in the mountain. And when I came back, it was very clear I had let go. I did nothing, just sat, sat quietly, you know, and walked quietly in silence for three weeks. And by the end of it, the sadness had gone. And I recognized it was sadness that had gone. You know, it's interesting, afterwards, not even at the time. You know, so being with something, you let it go. Because the nature of all phenomena is to go, is to, to move on. And this is something that we forget. We forget that what the Buddha says so clearly, everything is anicca, impermanent, and, you know, and, um, you know, transient, um, constant change, constant, in a state of constant flux. But we still live as if we were uh, you know, uh, very permanent and had a big problem because, of course, if we we are stuck with something that we believe or consciously or unconsciously as permanent, you know, solid, then, of course, it becomes difficult, isn't it? doesn't it? Like sadness, you believe, you know, if you don't do something, really say it's going to be there all the time. 
um, of course it's a problem. You know, one wants to be more happy than just sad. And so, but when, when, when you are really using the Buddhist teaching and the Buddha's words and teaching and encouragement, and you see that, um, you know, finding the time to really look at the sadness, feel the sadness, but not cling to it, you know, by the desire to wanting or not wanting, consciously or unconsciously, because the mind does many things without us having any control over it, you know. Most of the time, we don't have control over it. This thing comes and goes. Most of sadness, we don't call for it, but it comes because of separation from loved ones, when sadness brings grief. Do you understand? So just making peace with our sadness and not judging it, not criticizing it, not making it others, not making it bad, not this and that, that will keep the sadness clean and natural and move on. And it's completely okay to feel sad, you know, after losing a, a person we love. Normal. Can you bring the microphone over there? There's somebody with a question over there. Hello. Um, I've been avoiding the news for the past, uh, well, couple of months at least, because I kind of identified it. The world events, you know, were making me very uh, depressed, very angry indeed, very angry indeed. So I've avoided the news and I've found my general sense of uh, well-being has improved a great deal. What I'm saying is, how should I view the dreadful things that people do to each other throughout the world? How how do I how do I cope how with that? Relate, how to relate to that? Yes. I mean, how do I how do I deal with it without getting angry and, and, and going nuts, basically? Did you say it makes you angry? It does. Very angry indeed. Yeah. Right. Oh um, well, it's normal. You know, there's a lot of angering things, things mm. that really could be a cause of great anger and frustration. Um, if you don't know your mind, if you don't know yourself, one can be surprised by the terrible thing going on around the world. If you know yourself a bit better, I am always amazed that we haven't destroyed each other sooner. That's how I make peace with it. You know, it's not that I dismiss it particularly. There's plenty of things we can do to help. But really, the forces of anger, the forces of brutality, the forces of, you know, of greed and delusion rampant in the whole population are not going to bring anything else but war and destruction, you know. That's their purpose, you know, to make you really stupid and deluded. And the me having to be defended all the time and the me, the self, is always a divisive force. Why? Because my me is more important than your me. You know, my world counts more than their world. My religion is more important and more wise than their religion. I mean, it's amazing what's happening in the world right now. 
doesn't surprise me myself. Ignorance brings war, naturally, because we're still, we're still fighting to, divi to divide rather than fighting to include. We're fighting to get what we want rather than to bring peace and, and compassion in the world. We, we're fighting to, to, you know, to empower this selfishness. So what do you expect from the world in that way? It's not possible. We are uh, being so gross in our need, materialistic needs. Look at that. I mean, what, what people do these days and destroying the planet, destroying animals, destroying the natural world just to get something for me. What do you expect? It's very sad, but it's sad, you know. One doesn't need to be worried about it. I think that it's a great motivation to actually start understanding oneself. And know that the more people will wake up, the more people will stop blaming their other people for what's happening in the world, the more people take responsibility to bring goodness in this world, then maybe the world will change. Rather than spending days and days of moaning about the state of the world and being angry, which doesn't improve the world, does it? So, when you wake up from that slumber, then you, you begin to see, you know, okay, what, what can I do to improve this world, to make this world a better world, you know? Don't ask people to change for you. You are the one we change ourselves first, you know, because if you want to change other people, they'll really be very angry with you because they might not want to change, you know. But double-check, you know, can you change yourself? Can you transform yourself into a person who is really at the, you know, at the service of goodness in this, in this world, of kindness and compassion, of intelligence, you know. And it's not easy because, I mean, the world is made up of very difficult, I mean, it's very difficult. The human world is a difficult world. You know, you see students coming and telling me, reminding me of the incredible competition, you know, when you have to pass an exam or how young people can get through terrible time, you know, to, point of, to the point of going through nervous breakdown and suicidal tendencies, you know, just because they are frightened to lose, not to be able to do what they want. This is, this is a very f painful world, the human realm. That's why we all want to go to the deva realms, you know, go into meditation and think about pink flowers, you know, all day long. Feels nice, you know, pink clouds for 20, you know, 10 hours. And then, oh my God, then you're back into the world, you know. But what can you do? I tell you what you can do, but you might not want to do it. Keep the five precepts. Commit yourself to the five precepts. You know, the Buddha said, the five precepts, wonderful little teaching from the Buddha. He says, by keeping the five precepts, you free numberless beings from fear, animosity, and I never remember the third one, but I'm sure it's very important. <laughs> I'll find it for you. But fear and animosity is pretty good, isn't it? I mean, if I'm freed from fear and animosity, I think I can go a long way with a happy mind. And not only that, I too will partake of that freedom 
from fear and animosity. Now, you say that to people, you say, oh yeah, yeah. Can you give me another drink, please? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like, it goes right above our head. We don't think that the precepts are actually an extension of the mind itself at the level of actions by body and speech by words, you know. Action and speech. It's the mind itself that just expands itself in our actions and our words. Still the mind. But for most people, they really, they love talking about metaphysics for hours on end, the nature of the ultimate, the truth, the universe, the galaxies, you know. We love kind of talking about quantum physics and the brain and science and all that sort of thing. Talk about the five precepts, like a real kind of flat, you know. Anything else? It's a bit like the story of this uh, cartoons, you know, cartoon which uh, it shows little, you know, little boxes of, uh, there's a, a very, very dedicated seeker who is looking for the master. <laughs> I have to remember all the words because it's kind of funny, but okay, I'll try. Uh, you know, he's looking for the master. So he climbed this mountain in the comic strips, you know, he's like climbing this mountain, finally he's climb and climb, he's sweating, he's exhausted, and so on. He finally reached the top of the mountain, and there is a great master with long beard and looking terribly kind of dignified in full lotus posture. And he says, oh, master, you know, I finally find you. Um, how can I find, how can I be enlightened? And I think the master says, Discipline, renunciation, and maybe um, ethic or something. And so the disciple, devoted disciple, said, um, Is there anybody else I could talk to? I mean, when I read this, it's just so much a predicament of a human being, you know, it's like, we're looking for something, you know. So, so, you know, renunciation, discipline, and maybe letting go or something, I can't remember the, uh, you know. So, can I, can I, you know, can I, could I speak to somebody else? So that's what I mean by the ego, it's a huge liar, you know. And I think a sweet lie, I'm going to chuck that out. I'm going to get rid of that. <laughs> I'm going to let go of that sweet liar. Any more questions? How, there's a microphone here so everybody can hear. How, how would you explain a attachment versus interconnectedness? <laughs> attachment needs you interconnectedness couldn't care less about you, doesn't need you, do you understand? You know, attachment needs definitely an I that does something. Interconnectedness is, so I was ter- I'm told by great master and my, also my, from my experience, is natural, is a, is a, is a, is a, okay? It's what's the fact, it's a fact, we're all interconnected. But attachment is like being, you know, 
you want something for that person you're attached to. You wouldn't be able to let that person or that whatever it is do what they want, be free. They, you know, you want them to do something special for you. You want them to behave in a certain way or to speak in a certain way or to do certain things to make you happy. And if they don't do that, whoa, you might not be so happy. That's called attachment. And if they run away with somebody else, then you feel miserable. You want to beat them up. Yeah, so interconnectedness is just a way of nature like that, you know, but um, attachment is, um, you know, holding to something. That answer your question? Thank you, sister, for your speech, uh, the talk today. Uh, from the talk, Speak a bit louder. From the talk today, what I understood is like, to let go, you have to meditate. Hmm. But I don't meditate. <laughs> <laughs> <So> <laughs> the obvious answer is, yes, go and start meditating. Well, I, I, didn't, I, I didn't quite say that. Yeah. <laughs> that is what I understood. I see. Well, okay, well, it's good that we can clarify it, isn't it? So, letting go doesn't need you either, okay? But to know that, to be clear about that, it's good to look at your mind that doesn't need you. You know, the mind that, when the mind is not attached to the sense of I, you don't know that yet because you haven't practiced meditation. You haven't looked at the mind in such a way that you can see what it is to be, uh, when the presence of I is you know, you're aware of the presence of I and you're present and you're aware of the absence of that entity I. You know, you're aware of grasping and non-grasping. Yeah? Meditation, you don't have to meditate, but meditation is just a, a it's like a workshop where you can study, you know, carefully the mind. Yeah? So, you don't have to meditate, you do what you want. But then, how, how do I let go? <laughs> so, to say that I'm like really angry at something. Or well, you somebody. have to find out who is not letting go. What is not letting go? Well, you have to find that, you know. What, what, and if you don't know yet what is, uh, you know, letting go and not letting go, so maybe you need to study that. What is it? You know, why do we talk about letting go? Why is this concept letting go, the, let's say, the, the theme of this talk? Okay, why do we want to let go? It's because we attach ourselves to things. And the letting go is simply the realization, realization that uh, when we stop clinging, then the mind just flows like a river. It just keeps flowing down to the ocean. See? So sometimes we don't see that, you know, we, we're not aware of that. And it has to do, is connected with the experience of suffering. Because clinging is suffering. Okay? It's stress. It's stressful to cling to something that whose nature is to move on. But most of the time we live in that realm of existence where we keep clinging to things. We keep being frightened of things. We keep being, um, seeing reality in a very distorted way through these 
and sort of not knowing yet that things are changing, things are moving, they're not in my control, they're not, you know. When you're sick, you know, you haven't asked for a sickness, do you? It just comes and it goes when it's finished. You haven't asked for it to go in three months' time. You Maybe you ask it to go in three days' time, but if it goes in three months' time, you realize it's not in your power to control this. So to let go, to know, you know, it's good to know what is clinging. And to know what is clinging is good to meditate. But after that, um, I, I said before, to know what is letting go, you have to know its opposite, what is grasping. Just like to know what is in, uh, patience, you have to study what is impatience, first of all. Because once you let go of impatience, then patience arises naturally. You see? It's interesting how the mind deep down is actually uh, very good. You know, the, the, once you let go of, of, of uh, this kind of uh, what we call the, you know, the pollution of the mind, the, the natural mind is filled up with all the parameters, you know, to me I have no doubt, with all the quality of the parameters of gent- generosity, kindness, compassion, patience, wisdom, determination, and so on. There is that. Those qualities are available very rapidly, you know, when you're not um, kind of caught up into the conflicting energy of desires and confusion and so on. Just wanted to ask, what's the best way to start meditation? By which I mean, if you're a beginner, is there a particular technique that's worth starting with and then progressing on with? Well, you know, the best way to start meditation is to come to the workshop at 2 o'clock every Saturday at Amarawati. Do you live far away? Huh? Live far away? Okay. Well, um, I think it's always good to have uh, some kind of uh, guidance you know you can spend maybe start with 15 half you know 15 minutes or 30 minutes of uh, just sitting quietly you know you can use many objects of meditation you can use a breath you can use just awareness of the body sitting like the contact of your body your hands touching each other or resting on your knees or the, the buttocks muscles kind of contact with the cushions or the floor or um, some my teacher teaches the sound of silence you know hearing the sound of silence which is not everybody's not everybody here automatically you know if you take some books here you'll find some good guidance there and just don't give yourself a, a great sort of you know a, a too much of um uh, you know, ambitious program about it. Just start simply and see the result. You know, get guided by the result. So you sit 15 minutes and you realize maybe you're very restless. You can't sit, you know, you can't stand it for. Or you might find it very peaceful. The, one of the things that is, um, you know, related to the topic of today is like if you feel very restless, you start, um, you know, accepting the restlessness as part of the landscape of now. That's just what's happening now. Do you understand? Restlessness is okay in meditation if you stay, if you just observe it and start looking at its nature, which is impermanent, transient, and, and, and unsatisfactory, and not you. 
because you'll see once the um, the, the you know the uh, restlessness passes away, you find suddenly you can't bring it back. It's finished. It's gone. Not yours. I tried to do this with anger once. I was really angry with somebody. And I tried to kind of work up a bit of anger when I will meet that person again. I still remember the moment when I was so disappointed. I mean, I was really literally disappointed with myself that I could not recreate a bit of anger to meet her in the right way. I still, it was a sweet moment. It's like, oh God, I can't. It's like losing something that was a good tool at the time, you know, it's like, like I'm sure, you know, I feel couldn't. It's like finished. This is why we need to have the courage to sit with these things, because if you have the strength, the courage, and the, you know, capable of doing that, then they start going. You start looking at Anicca Dukkanata through the whole thing, Anicca, and not me, not, uh, not permanent, impermanent, and basically it's unsatisfactory because once you get to know the mind, you know, which is uh, watching this, you'll see a lot of peace there. The observer is a peaceful, neutral space. No problem there. And what we do with the thing that crosses the mind, you know, crosses the heart, that's where the problem arises. You know, I don't like this, I like that, it shouldn't be like this, according to so-and-so, I shouldn't have any worry or anxiety, you know, Five obstacles, the Buddha talks about five obstacles. If I worry, if I've got lost in torpor, I don't like this, I want this. Oh my God, I'm not doing the right thing. No, the Buddha never says that. The Buddha says, look at that, observe this. If you feel really greedy, you know, you're obsessed with having to telephone somebody, you know, while you're doing, you've determined yourself to do 15 minutes of quiet meditation and suddenly, bang, obsessed with a phone call you have to make. And, you know, immediately you say, I give up. You know got rid of it, I've had enough, you know. It's not working. That's immediate response, you know, people who don't know. But instead of giving up, I tell you, just stay with it for 15 minutes till the end of your meditation. And even if you don't feel better at the beginning, give yourself a month of that kind of treatment, medicine, and you will see the result. And if you don't see the result, come back. You'll be refunded. <laughs> no, just joking. <laughs> That I, that I, is that work? And besides this, by the way, you can also do meditation while walking, the same thing, doing walking meditation to work, wherever. You can begin to bring awareness to your body, walking, feeling your feet walking, being very present. Awareness is, to, is a realm of now, here and now, you know. So in the here and now, you can always bring back your mind to now. And then you have clear seeing in that now awareness, yeah? Go ahead, yeah, I need the, 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 yeah. The objective is to uh, focus on your breath, but restlessness arises. Should you suppress that or should you, because the objective is to maintain No, uh, you, can live awareness. With you can live with both at the same time. Okay. So, what I mean by this, you, you use the breath and you don't have to use the breath. You can just use the feeling, the sensation of restlessness when you're sitting. What does it feel? Get interested. You get really interested with what you are observing. It's a field of discovery. It's an exploration. You see? 
It's not just using a technique to get somewhere. It's an exploration. So you explore, just very quiet. You need to be really quiet to explore something because you you are not I not doing it. It's just exploration, exploring. You know that awareness does the exploration. And then sometimes you can just let your breath be a, like a little conduct to the here and now. The natural breath is always here anyway. Do you understand? So it doesn't have to be a full blown kind of object of meditation only, just the only object of meditation. If you look at restlessness, it can go into the background and just help you to keep calm and just to keep tranquil while you are observing the feeling in the body. That makes sense? There's a lady at the back there. I just want to say, my husband passed away. Can you bring the microphone a little closer to you? Uh, um, my husband passed away two years ago, and I always thinking that she's somewhere around with me. That he was, sorry? I always think that he is coming any time now, when I think really, but he's not living anymore. And I find it very, very hard how do I tolerate that? How do I live with it? Do you think he's coming to visit you? Or? No, my husband passed away. Yeah. Two years ago. I hear, yeah. And uh, every time I think that he he's somewhere here, he will be coming uh, like that on and off. Uh, but I feel that uh, when I think really uh, that I think that he's not living anymore. So, uh, Tampika, can you come here and translate for me? I can't understand everything that is said. You can just do it. Yeah, is there one bit that I keep missing? I'm not quite sure. What yeah, what she's saying is, um, basically, her husband passed away two years ago, and she's tr- learning to come to terms with it. Yeah. Uh, how do you cope in a situation like that? Well, she said, learn to come to terms with it. I think she's coped already. Uh, well, there are moments, you know, it's, it's not that easy. It's difficult. Yeah. So is there some advice from you? Um, well, I think she's, you know, she said she came to terms with it. Maybe it takes a little bit of time, you know, to come to, fully come to terms with it, you know. So I think you're doing great, you know, in that sense. Of course, you know, what the, everything I said until now can help you to come to terms with it in the sense that, uh, you know, the, the, the less you grasp or you cling or you attach to the memories of your husband, the more it will eventually end. And he's a very, very, very good man, very nice. Uh, he was not womanizer. He was not uh, very bad. He always think of me. And I sometimes told him, why you very bothered about me? But he's not like, he's like a father figure to me. And I miss him so much. When I go to bed, I always tears, you know, cried a lot. Right. It's very, very hard for me to live day-to-day life. Are you ready to forget about him? No, I'm not. I want to remember him. Yeah. He was so much 
he like actually my father was a very good man yes. my husband was a very good man and don't know why it happened to me both men both men are gone why it happened to me i can't understand i don't know i don't have a crystal ball with me i don't know either i mean it's a mystery isn't it they are very lovable they they always say that when i'm around they're happy i don't know why well you don't have to feel guilty for their death you know um it's very hard. I, I, i mean you know if you try to find a, you know why somebody died it's, it's like you're really going to a no because uh, my husband was having a diabetic and my father was had uh my father had a uh dengue fever so yeah. well to me the reform just a little you've said it seemed to me that you're very still wanting them to be around you yeah, you know and that's I why do. your mind keeps thinking about it so you have to decide at some point you know you may not forget them of course you don't particularly want to forget them but you might want to also have your mind a bit more at peace with it all you know so yeah. you have to decide if you keep thinking about them and remembering them and so on that keeps them going you know you won't be able to let them go I and you Uh, I I prefer to go my life peacefully. I think that that's best medicine for me. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking that way. So mm-hmm. I don't know what else can I think of. Well, you know, it's just that death is natural. Mm-hmm. We all die at some point, and all of us at some point will. you know and when none of us know exactly and you know what happened to your husband and your father i guess maybe that was a natural death you know through illnesses or through this or that but to me you seem like you are anxious about why they died so that anxiety is something to deal with you know why to just recognize what is behind this concern about their death you know this anxiety you know why did they die there was a good good people i was a good person why did they die you know thank you very much anjanita madaru one of the most famous uh, forest master in our tradition died at the age of, i think around 55 of stomach cancer you know why he was the most amazing person you know the most amazing master you know like we come with a with a bank account of karma we don't quite know what's there, what's in there you know we don't always see what happened in the past and uh, some people come very you know a healthy body others were unhealthy some kids are born with cancer some people die at 120 you know why it's bizarre isn't it but you are practicing meditation aren't you are you from sri lanka yes. are you in london yes. why don't you go and study at the chizik vihara there's very good meditation practice there okay. or come to the workshop here at amaravati at two o'clock okay i'll see yeah. every saturday yeah i'll see thank you very much okay
I am studying for exams and I wanting to get somewhere in my career. And my problem is that if I let go of what I want to do in life, I'm just lazy. I'm 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 scared that I'm gonna be lazy and not doing anything because I think my nature is I'm quite happily to I'm quite happy lying around in bed and do nothing all day. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> so so I'm I'm just worried that I'm I will become someone who I I'm not and I won't reach my potential. So but then without letting go I cannot move forward so I'm kind of in a, a limbo. Without letting go of what? Um I want to be um I want to, to go somewhere in my career. I've already fixed my mind and um my family would say that without being uh, without reaching my career point I would not do anything else and I can't see myself doing anything else. So your family wants you to succeed succeed in your career? Um well <laughs> not yes? quite well they want me to do uh, they want me to change my career together, altogether, to All give up. Together, to give up, to become what? Nothing? Um, no. <laughs> oh, I wish. <laughs> no, they want me to, to work for them rather than pursuing my career, career oh, choice. Oh, to work in Bangkok. Well, that, yes. But I'm, their career, their career path that they, they have in mind for me is, is totally different to what I want to do. So I'm just worried that I might give in and give up. So they're not supporting you into wanting to do what you want to do? Um, not, not mentally. Not mentally. But I mean, you've gone a long way. How long have you been in London now? I've been living in the UK almost 20 years. I came as a kid, so... Oh, I see. So your yeah. parents are in England or in Bangkok? In Bangkok. Gosh. I've got my brother here, it's not so bad. <laughs> <laughs> really. <laughs> so and after twenty years your parents want you to go back to England to, to, to Thailand. Yes. I'm I'm more than happy to, to go back, but I do not want to do what they want me to do. Oh, it's a big question, isn't it? Mm -hmm. So what do you how can I help you, do you think? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe um, I'm. I think my inner self want to um, want to be happy and to pursue what I want to do. But I'm scared that I might not get to where I want to go because I'm mm -hmm. lazy. Sorry. Are you lazy? Are you truly lazy? You are lazy. How many years have we been studying now? Hey, non-stop. Is that being lazy? You sure that you're not labeling yourself something that you're not? I think it's to, through fear because um, if I stop studying, then I fear that I have to go back to Thailand and mm. do what they want me to do. Mm. So I think it's through fear and I, I know now that it's not the right way, but I'm just worried that if I stop and let go, mm -hmm. then 
you'll be miserable. Well, I hope I'll be a bit happier, but I cannot. I can't see myself studying and working so hard to to succeed without fear. Right. I think we need to have a discussion after the meeting here. Huh? We can have a little talk together. Yeah. 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 Needs a bit of attention, doesn't it? Yeah. You here till t- this evening, or you're going back tomorrow? Today. Yeah. How did you come? Who is that? Okay, good. Okay, well, I will chat about it. Question finished? This is your time. Don't hesitate, don't be shy. Ah, this lady over there. Can you move a bit forward so you can help the... Um, is there any time in life when you think it's okay not to let go of something? <laughs> is it okay not to let go of something? Just wondered. Just wondered if there's anything. Well, it's a, it's a clever way of putting it, but, you know, um, there's nobody here in my world that give me permission to let go or not let go. Okay? It just happened by itself. And you remember the word letting go is always associated with uh, something that makes you suffer. You see? So, but to know your suffering, you need to look at your mind clearly. So, uh, you don't let go something you don't see necessarily. Although, the nature of things being that it changes all the time, constantly moving on, uh, it let go, you know, letting go happen by itself doesn't need you. Yeah? And you can attach as long as you want, it's fine. If you don't see the suffering in that. Yeah? Yeah. You know, in a way, we are free. This is our own world, you know. You can do what you want with your life. I can do what I want with my life. And uh, it's up to us. You know, there's no authority on top that says, you know, you should do that, you should do that. Is that in Buddhism, you just have to take responsibility for ourselves, you know. If I want to be free, what, I know I need to, what do I need to do? You start searching. But if you get distracted all the time from that, then that's your choice in some ways. Or... Sometimes it's not our choice, it's just what happened to us rather than what we choose to do. You know, we get distracted, so, you know. <laughs> um, for quite a few years now, I've been trying to um, guide my children into um, careers that I think are best for them and mm-hmm. best type of education and that for them. and. Um, they're now growing up and haven't heeded any of my advice at all. <laughs> and I can see that letting go of trying to guide them and push them into what me and my wife feel is best for them, um, they've sort of grown in their own way and have ended up doing completely different paths than we wanted to go down. So maybe that's some help for Mm. the lady over there. Mm. We're talking about our discussion, you know. Mm. She didn't, okay. You were distracted just now. 
You were distracted from what this gentleman was saying. <laughs> See, this is life in natural state. <laughs> he was thinking about you. <laughs> the trouble is, Thai parents and Western parents don't always see things in the same way with their with their children. You know, it's more. You know, it's a relationship is slightly different sometimes. Yeah. You know, but not so different though. Sometimes we make problems when there aren't any. You know, that's a trouble. I'm talking about you make problem about when there aren't any. We create the problem for ourselves, you know. I'm frightened not to succeed, but if I don't succeed, I'm going home and I'm frightened not to do this, to do this because of my being da 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 da. So we create obstacles wherever you go. It's like one way, so, so it's, it's a dead wall, you know, it's, it's a wall and at the back is a wall. And so instead of just getting on with life as it is, you know, so you decide to be, I mean, you've been studying what you study now for a few years, haven't you? In where? So, mm. so you're a doctor now, mm. and you want more edge, kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I see, yes, to become a, a specialty, yeah, yeah. It's good. Mm. No wonder you're a bit stressed, you know. I mean, how many years you study as a doctor? Six, seven, eight, nine years or something? Only five. Mm. Well, maybe you need a rest, don't you? A holiday? <laughs> Just to kind of, you know, let go of. <laughs> <laughs> It's not me who wants it. It's like people have to want to be something, you know. No, you won't get rid of your parents or your study by being a novice here. Can't, can't get rid of anything, you know, at some point. <laughs> You'll find yourself again, you start worrying, oh my God, you know, when I do this, I'm not sure, you know, I'm going to get bored. You can get really bored in Wazashik life. It's amazing. You have to. So in your study, you, you get overstressed with things to do and worry about this and that. Here, you'll be probably stressed about something else and worry about this and that. Having to compete, well, well, am I the best toilet cleaner or not? Yeah. <laughs> am I? Do I? You know, do I do I clean the shrine room better than you know? It's like the, the competitive mind just will find another. Object to land on, you know, don't worry until it kind of starts calming down a bit. Okay, are we finished with the question? We're finished and we can just, shall we just sit quietly for a few minutes? Do you like to do that?